question of life. Why are we here? You know, why are we? Well, maybe. I don't, I think, I think it's a big reason. Um, it's like asking the question, why does a soul come down into a human body and live a life? Um, how do we get past the ego? Well, we, we don't. Um, we become aware of the ego, um, mm -hmm. which is a huge lifelong if not lifetimes long exploration of how we connect to the soul you're listening to soul searchers the podcast my name is abigail and i'm joined with two of my business besties tyler and trish and together we make up a trio of 20 somethings looking to dive deep and explore some of life's big topics like what is the purpose of life why am i here and how can i truly trust and not so big topics like how can I win at adulting? Is college worth it? And what is your Enneagram type and does it really matter? So whether you're looking for answers to life's biggest questions or you're just really curious to find out what we think the soul looks like, then sit back, relax, and join us as we do a little bit of soul searching today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Soul Searchers, the podcast. I am one of the co-hosts. My name is Tyler, and I am joined here with my two fabulous co-hosts, Trish and Abigail. Welcome to like the first official, official episode. Last episode, you got to know us a little bit, and today we are officially kicking off, and we're going deep like way deep, way quickly here on the show. And we are talking about identity. And it is like one of those topics that I think is so important to establishing everything that you do in life. And I'm really excited to kick off uh, today's conversation. And I would love to welcome Trish and Abigail here to the show. Hi, all. How are you doing today? Hey, everyone. So excited to be here to talk about identity today. I'm happy to be here too. Yeah, it's a big, like, we're really kicking off the show, like with a big, big topic. Like, what, like, let me ask just to kick off, like, what initially comes to mind? Like, not definition wise, because we'll get to that. But like, when you think of identity, like, what is the first thing that that pops up in your guys's heads? I think of like the, for some reason I come to like ego versus self and a group versus individual. I come mm. up with these, the comparison between the two because identity really is about the self against a group, not against a group, but it's apart from the group. Like how do you mm. define yourself, your uniqueness from everyone else? Mm. I love yeah. that word uniqueness. I love that word uniqueness too. And I think what you were kind of touching on Abigail was like a comparison. Like we do naturally compare ourselves to others, other groups and things. And it's usually based on what makes us unique. I think for me, you know, the first thing that pops in my brain is like personality. Who am I? Um, what kind of person am I? And it's interesting you, you touched on ego. I definitely want to touch on that later in the episode. I have some things I wanted to chat about, like how our ego can drive our identity, but I think that'll be a part of our deep dive. Yeah. I love that. I, when I think of identity, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like our identification cards. And I know that's like so stupid, but like, you know, we have like, we literally have passports and driver's license and, you know, badges that have our photos on it and our name. 
you know, and I think, you know, at, at the complete surface level, like that is our identification. It's our name. Mm-hmm. it's like a picture of ourselves it's our it's our body um but like I'm so excited to to really dive deep today because identity is like so much more and I love what Abigail said about like it being uh like us versus society or like me versus others because I I just I find it so fascinating that like that we have so many people who like struggle with their identities, myself included. Um, and I'm just, I don't know. I think, I think whatever comes up today, I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Should we start with a definition? I would love to know how everybody defines identity. Yeah, Trish, I'd like to know yours first. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of broke this up a little bit and I touched on it. Um, I think identity is our personality, our interests, the groups and categories that we feel we belong to. And um, we can dive deeper into this sense of belonging and not belonging because there was a way that I heard that defined recently that really struck a chord. And it was from Brene Brown. It was the way that she defined belonging. But I think it's like, it is that comparison to other groups or how does my personality and my interests and things compare to others? And I think the other side of the coin is how do we interpret what has happened to us and what will happen to us based on this thing we call identity, right? Like my, my past creates my identity, my identity affects my future. And um, so it's those kind of two different things. It's like, the things around us that define us, I guess. And then also in like time and space, our identity has a place, I think. Hmm. I have never thought about it like that. That really blew my mind. Yeah. I Like it's the things that you do and what you expect. And wow, that's interesting. Well, Hmm. that was, I mean, yeah, that was really so far from what I was going to say as identity. Um, but it's, oh, I'm so interested to hear now. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's like, that was such a profound thing that you just said. It's, it's our past. It's, it's what's shaped us to who we are today. And it also establishes what we're going to be tomorrow. Like, whoa, like that, <laughs> that was really profound. And so much more than a list of personality traits or I don't know your beliefs. It, it it almost makes it seem like like if you know yourself, you know your destiny. You know, it's almost like you you're the maker of your own life, which is just true in general. But it, that makes identity a beacon. Mm. I really I really like that. Well, and and it actually gives identity this this very like abstract topic. This kind of like almost like heart and oxygen to it like like the way you just described it it was like it was like identity in and of itself is like a living breathing entity Mm. that grows as we grow um and it's something you know like what I'll, i'll just share my definition because i mean mine was so stupid compared to what you just said but it was like 
Well, you said that last episode and then you like saved a life. So let's hear it, Tyler. (laughs) Okay. No, but this one is silly compared to what you were saying. But like identity is me, you know, Mm. identity is self and it is something that nobody else can define for you. Nobody else can tell you what it is. And I think that's what's going to make this conversation so rich is that we all approach identity so differently as we should, because only we get to decide how we see ourselves and how we like build up our identities, you know, as as humans, as we grow. So, you know, identity is me. Mm, I like that. That's, that is like this, like poignant, simplistic, more simplistic. Like that's what it comes down to. I think my answer was just this more like expansive convoluted way of saying it, but I would agree that that in its simplest form is totally what it is, Tyler. And it's so exciting because we'll get to see how we think about me and my and self and things like that, that you just said. Oh yeah. Well, mine is kind of like yours, Trish, where I said, I actually wrote it down, traits of an individual that separates them from others. So once again, that kind of comparison of how do I, when I'm alone, which I I ask myself this question a lot, just to kind of be reflective, who am I when no one's around? Which Tyler, I feel like your identity is me, evokes the question, who are you? Not the stuff that compares you to others, but what would you say if you were the only person on earth, how would you identify yourself? Um, and I'm not asking that. I mean, you can answer that, but um, I like that it gets down to a very deep level, how um, modest your definition was, mm-hmm. but mine is just like traits, like, like Trish said, values, choices, practices, beliefs, um, your, your actions, creations, things like that. Yeah. You asked a very deep question that I'm not even going to try to tackle yet, Abigail, because you don't have to. I, <laughs> I think it's totally something that uh, like what we've kind of been hinting at is it evolves over time and we grow. Um, and so does our identity. And I want to bring up, uh, I want to bring up a quote that I found um, as I was reading this book. Um, and it's from a sociologist, Charles Horton, Cooley, who wrote uh, or who said, I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. Mm. And if mm. I, I thought you, it was I... going to go a different direction, to be honest. I thought it was going to get spiritual. I'm like, oh, wait, it's a psychologist who said this. <laughs> and it brings up this quote, brings up a point of, how much of our identity is shaped from the outside world and from others and how much, how often do we try to blend in or kind of, uh, kind of contort ourselves, if you will, into like fitting in with people and, you know, societies and things like that, just so that we feel like we have a sense of belonging, which I know Brene Brown talks a lot about belonging. And it's like one of these things of like, well, do we actually even know who we are? Have we ever, have we ever taken the time to get to know ourselves and to actually do the inner work that it takes to kind of 
really create our identity or do we let others um, identify us for ourselves? Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about that way of like putting it, Tyler, is there's this excitement that comes with that. Like there's this true freedom when it comes to identity. We can, we can like think of it that way. There's this true freedom for us to shape ourselves in whatever way we, we really want to, but the other side of the coin. And I think most things in life have this like contrast. And I think the other side of the coin is there can be anxieties and stress around our identity and how we think about ourselves when we really reflect and do that sort of inner work. Um, you know, because then we see how maybe things like our belonging is threatened if we identify ourselves in a certain way and it doesn't coincide with um, friends, families, like other other peers and other groups that we attach to if our identity is different. So I think it's interesting to be like, oh, it's so exciting. I love identity stuff. I can't wait to identify myself. But then at the same time, it's like, oh shit, what can happen when I step further into this identity for myself? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, it takes a lot of responsibility to Uh, reflect upon yourself and question, am I doing something? Am I reacting to the world in the way that I would if no one else was around? Or am I doing it for the sake of upholding a relationship or upholding societal standards? And I think a lot of people go through life um, and they don't either they're too scared or they don't want to face the reality of finding themselves because then that presents responsibilities such as, okay, if I know I'm reacting this way, if I'm reacting in anger, I have to know the reason why I'm being angry instead of just blaming my anger on someone else. It's a huge, I think it's a huge, mm-hmm. and this is beyond identity, but I am going to try to reel it in because I, I get really stoked up about this, is this modern spiritual issue today is our finger pointing to everything except ourselves. Mm-hmm. And until mm-hmm. that happens, and maybe our world won't get there, but I'd like to think we all have the potential of looking inward and saying, what am I doing? that is contributing to an issue and it i it's really a uh, profound to think that way it's scary it's scared to think oh it's my it's my fault it's my problem it's it's me to blame for what i've done even if it feels like external forces are forcing you to be something that you don't think you are or you think you should be this way and so you've defined your entire life that way and then you wonder, who am I? I don't know. I think that's why people don't ask that question. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dropped I, a bomb on you. Yeah, you, you really <laughs> did. Um, because this actually came up for me here recently in therapy. I was talking about uh, a past trauma that I don't want to dive too deep into today, maybe sometime. Um, but it, it was, you know, I, I was pushing, I was pushing blame on, you know, the other person and my therapist confronted me and she was like, she was like, well, how much of the blame is yours? And I had a moment of like, whoa, you're right. 
you're a hundred percent right. Like I am, I there I'm, I'm to blame for some of this. And it's like, it's like, I think when we actually look inwards or we try to connect with ourselves, it, we have a moment of freak out of like, we're confronted with all the dirtiness that's kind of lives inside of us and it's very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. So I think, um, something that is kind of coming up for me on this, and this might be like an offshoot, so you can kind of stop me and we can bring it back, but it is this concept of a huge part of our identity being the psyche or the ego. And this is something that I'm kind of currently studying and it's, um, I'm kind of like, part of me is like, Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> like I have this resistance to it, but I know it's really beneficial. And it's the fact that our ego or our psyche is like the same thing. Right. And the opposite of that would be like our true core self, our soul and the ego or the psyche basically exists on its own. It has its like own identity based on the past and the future and of course it's important, like we're not trying to reject our psyche, but I think thinking of it as kind of separate and not like so, so important, like the psyche makes everything seem like so important and so urgent, like this is a problem and it needs to be dealt with. What does it mean that I still didn't get over this person or this thing that they said? And we kind of make it mean something about us, but there's this other aspect of our identity that kind of soul-based spiritual true core self that isn't as concerned with these things or you know kind of can look past or we can be have this awareness of this blame both like on ourselves and other people without making it be such a bad thing because it's kind of this like oh I can zoom out and see holy crap there are other people to blame for this circumstance maybe me and my own actions, but it doesn't mean that I think before this, and this is the point I want to make is before I kind of have this level of awareness, I was like, oh, if I'm to blame, then that means everything. And let me place all my focus on the fact that I'm to blame for the circumstance. And it's really heavy. And it means something about every aspect of my identity. And it'd be this like a domino effect, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But just realizing it's kind of just one piece based off of all my experiences and all these thoughts have, that have kind of integrated into my mind and my reality. So I don't know if we want to like dive into that further, or if you have any, either of you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's the, it's the other half. It's like 50% soul, 50% ego. And our ego is, I like to call the ego, the lizard brain, which is our self. I mean, Freud called it the id, which is our instinct, which is a program within our human body to self-preservation, survival, um, you know, non-trusting because we don't know who will hurt us or who will manipulate us. It's kind of like a lizard or a small little creature that is scared uh, almost 99% of the time because there's people or things after it trying to eat it. Um, but it also serves a good purpose. It allows us, number one, to define ourselves apart from everyone else. So we don't get lost in the mix. It helps us compete, um, you know, have motivation, drive, um, appreciate our accomplishments um, because it's, and I'm saying that not that you can't 
be grateful for accomplishments, but it is in comparison to someone else. So it does have to do with the outside world, which is it's that's what it's based on is ego is how am I comparing myself to everyone else? And oftentimes it's either for instinct or the, I think Freud's super ego was how do I how am I better than someone else or higher than someone else? And then the instinct is how do I save myself from everyone else that's coming to get me? Um, and it, yeah, it serves a good purpose It I mean, it keeps us alive if we are in a situation that's bad. Um, but there is a point where the ego is in response to the external world. And if we base everyone else, including ourselves on our reactions to the world, which are also based on instinct, um, trying to protect ourselves, um, like fighting, being angry, um, manipulating others without really having an, any intention behind it. Um, and we start basing ourselves on that. That's not really our true self, which the, the true self is the soul, which is the one who observes these reactions from the human body, um, which I can go in. I mean, people that are probably listening are like what the hell well it's (laughs) I love where you're going Abigail because this is like what I'm currently like trying to practice and explore so I I totally get it and I think that was a really good explanation and you know like you mentioned Tyler maybe we could dive deeper into like that part because we know ego is such an important part of like this conversation But I guess like, I'm curious if you have anything to add on that, Tyler, and even, you know, today we could also kind of zoom back out and look back at other aspects, but I I love that definition or that explanation of it is, is what I was going to say, Abigail. It's so amazing that we all come together like this. Cause I too have been doing a lot of thought on the ego recently and how we allow the ego to really shape who we are um versus looking past that and actually seeing the true person that lives within or or you know that soul that lives within um and i think what's coming up for me as as i'm listening and thinking about this is like how i'm curious at, to anyone you know how do we how do we look past the ego how do we let go of the ego because we're no longer in, you know, prehistoric times when we actually were in serious danger or threat, you know, when, when belonging meant either living or dying, you know, but we still act as if, you know, we're in great danger if we don't fit into this one group of friends or, you know, if, you know, if, if somebody snubs us, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm like a dead person, like they don't like me. So, you know, obviously we are much safer now as humans, but I'm really curious just to know, like, why, why do you think we're not capable of looking past the ego, you know, and Mm -hmm. why is it so hard to let go of the ego and actually just do what's best for us, for the individual? Oh, baby, I could write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I was was gonna say that is the question that is the question it's the question of life why are we here you know why are we well maybe I don't I think I think it's a big reason um 
it's like asking the question, why does a soul come down into a human body and live a life? Um, how do we get past the ego? Well, we, we don't. Um, we become aware of the ego, um, mm-hmm. which is a huge lifelong, if not lifetimes long exploration of how we connect to the soul, um, which is our true self. Um, I actually, this is something I've delved into. Um, I've mentioned this in the first podcast several times. Um, but like when I back, when I was living in Chicago after college, I was so in my reactions, which is my, are your immediate emotions specifically. And I was so miserable and I was, there was justification for that. It's not like when you recognize your ego feeling something that it is not validated. It's absolutely valid. Your emotions are, but I was so miserable and just very, I just felt like everything was against me. And I realized like I sat back for a minute and I don't know, it was, it was divine intervention. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that I went through a whole practice, but I became aware how miserable I was. And I realized, wait, if I can recognize that I'm miserable, I'm not actually miserable. I'm the one who's observing the misery in my person. Um, which, you know, I don't know how I came to that. It just Mm. happened one day I was sitting at my desk and I was like, my life is terrible. I feel so sad. So just absolutely, I mean, true misery. I mean, in the, in a first world sense. Um, and I realized, oh, that's not me. That's the emotion filling me. I'm like, well, how do I continue to be aware of this kind of sense of doom, which like Trish said, the psyche loves to hype up everything that's awful um, and make it bigger than what it really is, um, which is always a strife and struggle is always fleeting. So um, I was, I, it took, I think about a year for me to just decide to become aware of, of emotion and not be attached to it and don't attach my identity myself to that. Just know that I'm observing it and stepping back, which happen, which is perfect for coming into the self because when you let go of an emotion, just know that it's going to be here for a minute and then it'll pass. Then you realize, oh, I'm the one just watching it happen. I'm the one experiencing what it feels like to be miserable. So how do I get out of this to feel better? Um, and that, that's really good for when you're dealing with anyone else, just know that a person's reaction, which is, you know, attached to that modern spiritual issue we're having in the world is someone's reaction is not them. It's just, they're having a hard time disconnecting to the reaction to the external world. It's, that's not who they are. It's like, if someone's always angry or just uh, uh, troublesome, it's, that's not who they are. It's just, they're having a moment. They're not, they're not separating their, their soul from their ego. They're living their ego. Um, but it, it takes a lot of awareness to have to monitor every reaction you have. Um, so that, you know, I'm observing, I'm not actually it. I'm not this moment where I'm uh, being crazy. I'm, I'm, you know, getting angry at people. I'm yelling, I'm sad, I'm miserable. That's, I'm the one seeing it happen. I don't know if that answers your question, but I hope it does. No, it, that does answer my question, but it also then leads me to another question Mm -hmm. of what, would you, would you guys like 
so we know that that the ego kind of controls everything and so when you look beyond the ego and you see just us is us is me is it just empty is it not empty but like is it you know we have we have the physical body and this is going to get a little woo woo but you know we we have the physical body which we could see in the reflections we know we have the ego that controls you know all of the comparisons and and everything like that and then deeper within we have the soul but like really what is the soul and you know is the soul identity oh i want trish to talk because i talk too much <laughs> but I-, <laughs> I would yeah trish go ahead i would like to hear your thoughts yeah is, so is there. the soul identity yeah i yeah. think that's a really interesting question and i guess to kind of what Abigail said previously, um, this whole work that I'm like currently doing, like this course that I'm studying and things that I'm reading is all about like witnessing emotion, sitting through emotion, witnessing thoughts. And it's kind of different than some of our, in some ways it all overlaps, but it's a little bit different than some of our training and like mindset work, Tyler, which is like solve problems with the mind, always be in the mind, always using your mind. Your mind is this tool to use all the time, but that gets so stressful. And I think that a lot of that, that psyche ego-based identity, right? Like I have to, I have to um, fix this thought or fix this emotion instead of like letting it sit through us. Right. And I think to then, so I guess what I'd say is it's so interesting that that's your natural exploration of <laughs> kind of soul versus ego, Abigail, because that's what I'm currently kind of learning. But I think my takeaway from all this is that when we sit with our soul, our true core self, we tap into kind of what you were alluding to, Tyler, like our truest form of our identity that isn't just our truest form of our identity, then that's when we're able to like take intuitive action and like follow passions more clearly and just kind of navigate the world from that part of ourself. So I think it's not like, oh, we need to get rid of ego psyche because that's fake false identity and, you know, human body and human experience isn't real identity. But I think it's like when, and I would love to hear like, what you think about this, Abigail, but it's like when we tap into that soul part of ourself, then we're able to like come back to human experience, I guess, and like be a more true version of our identity. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or what you were thinking, Tyler, but that's kind of how I'm perceiving it. It's like, like you had said earlier, Abigail, it's 50 50. There's a reason that we have the ego and all of these things, but it's like, tipping the scales. Cause I think just in general, as a society, as a culture, we live so ego-based um, and we don't all have to become like monks living in soul, meditating all day to like be a, our truest self. I think it's just, it's finding that balancing point. And sometimes it's the inner work of diving deep, asking these questions. Sometimes it's tapping into your, your body and getting out of your mind. Um, and then I think you slowly evolve into your truest identity over time like Abigail said it's lifetime or lifetimes worth of quote-unquote work doing this I read a book um which my mother has so I ran to my bookshelf to see if I could find it but I cannot 
find it and I don't remember the title or the author and I apologize to that lady who wrote that book. It's about a near-death experience she had when she had breast cancer or was being treated for it. Um, and she remembers everything about her almost transition into, um, you know, what comes after this life. And she detailed this part where she had separated from her body um, and was kind of in more or less a, if you could imagine, floating in the night sky with lots of lights though. And she said, I was no longer part of a form. However, without my form, I still felt like myself. Um, which, you know, begs the question, what is the self? What is the soul? And she said, I felt like I had my personality still, but I wasn't in reaction to anything. Like there was no one around me. And that's why I like to ask myself, you know, sometimes really anytime I feel like I am called to ask this question, like, who are you at the end of the day when you're lying in your bed, when you, no one's around? And who do you, who do you feel like you are when, when there's no one there? And I've asked this question, you know, I've said this multiple times in the past few minutes we've been talking is that is who you are when there's nothing else left. Um, which that sounds really dark, but the soul is, is that not a feeling, but just, I don't know. I kind of think of myself sitting on the couch at night and I, I goof around when I'm alone and I sing and I, <laughs> yep. um, I know who I am, you know, when you, you have different friends, you act different. I, at least for me, I adapt to who I'm with. Like you guys, I talk to you guys pretty freely close to, as to possible as my true self when I'm alone. And I have a, I have a, not an act, but a personality for my father, for my mother, for my stepdad, for my sisters, for my friends mm. from college, my friends from high school. It's not a facade, but it's a different version of myself that I feel I can pr present when they're around. But I feel like the true self, which is what this author was saying is when no one's around, when there is nothing left, when I can't say I'm a white woman, I'm from Indiana, I have brown hair, I'm an artist, I write, I like funk music, all that stuff goes away because those are external things in reaction to the human world, which are important. I'm not saying they're not. Like Trish, you said, you don't have to be a monk to be spiritually connected to the self or connected to the self at all. It's who are you at the end of the day when you're alone and you're sitting there and there's no one else around to hear you or to see you. That's, that's the soul because you're, you're seated with only observation. And that's pretty profound when I read that and I, I need to read that book again, but I, I encourage anyone both of you and anyone to do a little reflection at the end of a day and ask yourself, what did I do today that was me? And what did I do or react to that was for the sake of the world, other people? What, what am I putting, what fronts am I putting up that I, that I wouldn't if there was nothing? Mm. It was me and God really. Mm. 
So I love, I love that. I would be really interested in hearing like what that book is, Abigail. Maybe you can say it in our next episode if you find out the author and title. Um, and I think that that's like a wonderful reflection point. Who are you when no one else is around? Who are you in that, in that, like that deepest, darkest sense of like, nothing else is happening in the world, you know, and it's just you, what would you be? But that kind of brings me to, I guess, the next layer, which would be, what are the times like you had mentioned, Abigail, and I'd be curious, like we can explore this, or I would love to hear from you two personally, what is the next level where you feel like you are almost your truest self? Like maybe it's around certain people or at certain times um, when you feel like you're one of your, your truest like beings, I guess. And for me, it's like when I'm just like sitting at home on the couch with my partner or when I get one-on-one -on -one time with my best friend, when we're with our other best friends, like that's part of it. But you know, when we're truly connected or me and my brother have like a true conversation for the first time in a long time, or it's when I do certain things, which again, maybe it's this next level, right? It's not like maybe truest, truest self, like when I'm completely alone. But if I'm like, I'd mentioned last week, I love like live music. There are certain like concerts that I'll be at or certain times when I'm just listening to music at my house. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm in like my truest self. This is me in my body but I feel my soul. Like, are, are there different like activities or things that you guys do where you feel closer to that, like true soul-based identity? Um, yeah, that's what I'd be interested to know. That's a, that's a great question. What immediately popped up for me uh, was like the other night when I was sitting in my car with my sister, listening to Adele and it mm. was raining and there was rain hitting you know, the windshields and we were singing at the top of our lungs, totally off key. And we were just vibing and there was an energy there. And there was like, I didn't, I didn't care about anything else except for just being present in that moment. And I think for me, when I feel most like myself, is when all of the insecurities melt away, all of the fears of, do I look stupid or, you know, the ego talking, when all of that melts away and I'm just 100% present in the moment mm. and I am just really experiencing life mm. in that moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that happened today when I was on my coaching call, um, it was beautiful. I was, I was just coaching and I was there with these amazing people. And I mean, there was just an energy there that, that is hard to explain, but like I was present and I think yeah. being present, um, is the, is, I think that next level of you know, being true and closest to, to your true self is when you're just totally present. I completely agree. I completely agree, Tyler. I love that. What, what do you think, Abigail? Eckhart Tolle, it, he's a spiritual leader and author who wrote um, The Presence of Now, right? You guys know. I think it's The Power of Now. Power of Now. Thank you. That I read the other one. Um, he's got several, but I read something about earth uh, a new earth 
thank you. I read the new earth and, but a lot of what he talks about is the soul being, um, presence, like you're being present yeah. in the moment is you sitting in the soul, observing what human life is experiencing it without judgment. So, um, I feel like Trish, what you're talking about is when you're in the moment and Tyler, what you said, your ego is melting away. Uh, you have no judgments about the self or other people or about the, what you're experiencing right then and there. Um, that's really how we connect with the soul is just being in the moment as it's, as it's unfolding. And a lot of times, especially with our generation, reminiscing is a huge, um, call to us needing that connection to the soul about presence, because when you reminisce, or at least I do, I used to a lot, um, before I practice presence is thinking back to childhood because a child knows nothing of the future is not asked we're asked you know what do you want to be in five years but it's not a pressing question or they don't have a past to reflect upon and they have no responsibilities no distractions so they're a child is so present in the moment and that's how that's when we we call back to that moment when we are present because that is our soul I completely agree like with with both of you it's it is about who we are in the present moment. And what I think I like about this is it's not that like, oh, what does life even matter? Like if it's all our soul, like we think, I think sometimes the one end of this, like it's a judgment on like soul is that like, oh, then we're not really experiencing things. And what's the, what's the point, but it's just a shift in the way we're experiencing it. We're experiencing things so fully, not worrying about the past or the future or getting caught up in this. Like it's fully experiencing things and it's that awareness and that curiosity. So it's still like living as a human just like from your soul because I think and I don't know if maybe that's just me or ways that I've heard it described like well what does life matter if we're just souls <laughs> so I think I like that um that way of thinking about it we're still humans who do things and experiencing things in life it's just a shift in the way we experience it so I'm I'm having a real moment here and I just have to jump in and share as I'm sitting here thinking of the soul thinking of the ego thinking of our physical body you know it's it's so kind of complex obviously that's why we're talking about identity but like a part of me just had an an aha or a thought of like what if like our identity was a combination of everything you know if it was a combination of the ego and those outside forces and then our soul, which brings our personality and our, you know, those characteristics and then our physical body that brings, you know, the actual physique and, and, you know, flesh and bones and all of that. Like, you know, when that all comes together in a, in a beautiful cocktail shaker, like what if that becomes our identity and we pull from all of those pieces to really create a deep, a deeper understanding of ourselves? you know, and to justify or to be okay with, you know, all of, all of the complex pieces that is identity. I love that. Yeah. An identity cocktail. 
kind of brings all the complex pieces together. Yeah. All the flavors of identity. Ooh, flavors. We are a mix of different flavors. I like, Tyler, I like that you presented almost as an acceptance of the self. I mean, obviously we have responsibilities to not hurt other people and, you know, just basic human uh, courtesies um, to others. But I love the idea of embracing everything as a whole and not totally casting something aside because of its, uh, I don't know, with a category or whatever somebody says about you that you don't like or whatever, just it kind of accepting it and using it as a strength um, in whatever way you feel fit. Um, I think it also, it just reminds me of the soul, which is kind of infinite. It's forever. It's almost like a learning experience. Like you're learning about a new person through your human experience. You're learning what, who am I right now in this life? And, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Which, what is my shadow side? What's my ego? And what is the part of me that brings light and love to others? Um, it just makes it feel like it's almost, a, it, I mean, life is a classroom, but it makes it feel like you, the, what you are as a person is the, the biggest learning lesson is how, if I find myself, maybe I'll be able to accept others. I'll expect, accept what life is. If I embrace everything about myself, I'll embrace everything about everyone else, about the world and how it functions. Yeah. Well, Abigail, you also said something really interesting there about how we try to, and I think it was Abigail. It might've been Trish. I don't even know. We're so deep into this right now. Um, <laughs> but somebody, somebody said something that was really beautiful of like, you know, a lot of times we try to, we try to like, we try to, you know, dismiss or oppress our, our bodies because they're not exactly, you know, in the best shape or how we, you know, how we envision them to be, you know, we're always trying to eradicate the ego because it's like seen as this horrible, horrible thing that we have. We're trying to understand our souls and, you know, that, that deeper spiritual side of, of life. And like, you know, I don't think it has to be that hard. I really, yeah. I really believe that if we, if we just learn to let go, if we learn to accept this moment, this space that we are in right now, you, you've got it mastered. And I think, I think it's one of those things that it's so simple, yet it's so challenging for people to do because we always have to think that it has to be more than what it is. Well, what it is, is it's just us right now in this moment. That's so true, Tyler. When something is so simple, we can like conflate it or we can, yeah, we can dive too deep and yeah, again, like overcomplicate things. But I think that's such a lovely way of putting it. It's kind of like how we, we keep all the good stuff and we try to push out all the bad stuff. Um, we don't ask why we don't question why, because it's seen as bad. And as people, we like to categorize things and name things and judge things, uh, prior to even understanding them. 
Um, and yeah, that was a great way of putting that. I like, I like that it's, we can learn something from everything. It's like, you know, why do I not accept my body is, you know, the why question, which is learning about who you are is you have to ask, well, why am I like this? It's not a fun question. Why am I spiteful? I've asked myself that question a lot of times. And it's not because I am spiteful. It's just, there has been there for the ego, for my childhood or memories or what have you, there have been circumstances that I was put in that I reacted that way. And then I have attached myself, like you said, we can't let go of some things. So I've attached myself to that emotion or that reaction as myself. And I'm like, I'm not actually spiteful. I just react that way sometimes because I don't like being told what to do. I don't like authority, yada, yada. And I think it's a, it's a learning lesson. It's like, oh, well, I'm spiteful for this reason. Maybe I need to watch out for those circumstances, those people that make me feel that way. And then let go of that attachment of feeling that way and then putting it on my soul rather than just having it be it's a separate entity. Yeah, mm. I'm I'm laughing only because I had this random flashback to like, it's funny how things will stick with you. And this wasn't even, this isn't even like a triggering thing, but I think this is a slight divergence, but so much of our society and culture is like um, dependent on labeling things. And I just had this flashback to like middle school Spanish when I'm, and I, I might butcher this, but I think yo soy is I am. And you'd fill in the blank, like fill in the blank, yo soy atletica. And I'd be like, am I athletic? I don't know. And it was like, <laughs> in this age, I'm like, I kind of am, I'm kind of active, but I'm kind of not, I want to consider myself an athlete. And it was just that flashback to like, when I first had those little identity crises, cause it's like, but I have to describe myself in three words in Spanish right now. And I don't know if I'm going to choose the, am I, artistico I don't know and it's like <laughs> so part of it is just like what what happens so what happens based on our culture our society the way that like us humans perceive these things um so I just kind of wanted to like shed light on that and I'm curious if you relate to that if you can remember like projects in school when you felt like you had to identify yourself and it felt strange well not necessarily in school but I feel like Trish and you're gonna laugh at this because you know, when, when we were coaching together, I made you create titles for yeah. yourself as a coach. And, you know, I consider myself at, well, at one point I consider myself to be, um, like an identity coach and helping people really connect to themselves and get clear understanding of who they are as, as individuals. Um, cause I'm a big advocate for knowing yourself, um, so that you can live your best life. But like, you know, Trish, I remember make giving you that assignment of like okay go out and create your titles like what do you want to call yourself versus like you know and I think there was a little bit of power in that because I was making you choose your own titles versus that assignment in Spanish where you had a list of of words and you were like oh my gosh I got to choose from these <laughs> yep. what if I what if I don't fit into any of those and it's like for me titles and labels you know, they're great at helping us identify. They're great at helping us feel like we belong, but like sometimes we just have to create our own titles. We have to create labels that feel right to us. And, and we don't have to justify 
that to anybody else. Like it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else, but ourselves. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just add to that, Tyler. Like I loved when we explored that because one of the things that I loved about your coaching approach and your way of approaching identity in that way is it, it was, it was very like self empowered and it was very like, okay, let's just intuitively see what comes up and what feels good and let's pick and play. And it doesn't have to be this scripted out stringent, strict thing. You don't have to choose from a list, like you said. And it really did come from like a a space of like me myself coming up with them. So it was, it was different, but it is funny. Like in some ways it, it is, it was empowering for me to come up with these labels and titles just in a very different way than Spanish class in seventh grade, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I, Oh, I was just going to say, Abigail, have you ever had that experience or ever had a moment like that? My life has been a moment like that. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why it's been an existential crisis. And I'm sure you too, and so many people have had this, um, you know, when you're asked, well, who are you? You often say a role, which is like a career or your relationship to other people or what you do is a role, like a, you know, like a, I say artist or writer, what have you. Um, and I started drawing when I was very young. Um, and as a creative outlet, because it's motivated through inspiration, my inspiration is not turned on all the time. I think most artists can say, I cannot just create on a whim. Um, so oftentimes I've had periods through life and I'm in one right now where, you know, I don't draw as much or illustrate as much. And then I write more and then I'll go back just because that is what I feel like I'm being called to do at that moment. That's what, that's the outlet I'd like to express myself through. And I think it was, I don't know, high school or maybe, I don't know. I I had periods where this has happened. I just can't remember specific moment, but I've had periods where like, I'm not drawing as much. And people ask me, I'm like, or have you drawn anything? I'm like, no. And it makes me feel like I'm not an artist. And then I wonder, am I an artist at all? If I can't do it all the time. And it comes to this point, it's like, we get so attached to like when your identity, I am an artist. And when you put a role or category, like you said, Tyler, on yourself, you feel like I have to keep up this facade because that is what I am. And it's the, it's like, you can't change. Like I can't ever divert, even if it's just for a couple months or a day, it's almost like everyone, and that's the, you know, the expectation of other people on your identity is, am I being what everybody else thinks I'm being? And then when you say, well, not this year or not this month, you wonder, well, am I, have I even been that if I can't fully be it a hundred percent every day? And the, so the role thing is, uh, it's just so, it's so, um, it's like the soul, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. Um, you know, one day you're, just a woman. And then the next day you're a mother and then, you know, another year you're a grandmother. So that I just, the whole attachment to a role and then people get disappointed when you're not that thing anymore. It's like, it's like the denial of evolution of the soul. It's like, well, I mean, I have to explore other things to experience a full life. So today I'm an artist, tomorrow I'm a writer uh, the next day I'll be a podcaster and maybe one day I'll be all three, but 
yeah, I just, I, you know, I don't have a specific moment, but I just feel like I have had existential crises where I'm like, am I this thing if I'm not doing it right now? Am I not doing it all the time? And that's kind of the downfall of identity in a society where we, you know, judge others by what they do. And if they don't do that thing, are they that thing at all? Ooh, girl, you are- I hate it. (laughs) You are hitting a nerve. Let me tell you, because as somebody who struggled with the question, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I think, I think as a society, I think we put a lot of pressure on, you know, having the, the perfect career title and, and our careers become a big part of our identity when, you know, a career is, is literally, you know, is literally like, how do we make money? You know, that's, that's what we, you know, a career is like, a job is how do we make money so we can afford to live life? You know, and I think if we stop, if we, if we stop like putting so much pressure on, you know, having the perfect job, having the perfect career title, you know, on that business card, like, and you just allow yourself to actually do, you know, the things that you want to do versus being pressured again by society or, you know, family to go into certain career paths. It's like, it's like you get to experience way more of a, of an, of a full life when you do the things that actually resonate with you, than you know, going down somebody else's path because they forced you down there. And one last thing before, and I, I know Trish has something to say on this, but like, Another thing is like, I know, like for me, the titles and everything like that, Abigail, that really spoke to me because, you know, at one point I was a theater kid. And then at one point I was a film student and I was a a documentary filmmaker, you know, and like, those are all still a part of me, you know, they have made me who I am today. And, you know, And I feel like titles and labels and, you know, that question of who am I like, and even identity as a large, I think it's, I think everything is fluid. Mm -hmm. I think it moves. And I think it, again, I think it breathes and I think it, it has its own kind of life of its own. Um, And yeah, that's what came up for me as, as Abigail was sharing. Oh, I like that, Tyler, that I just had that visual of like a breath and like watching like parts for identity breathe because they they fade in and out and they have different levels of importance at different points in our life and different levels of intensity. Um, And what I was going to say is I think it's so interesting how you were touching on this certain times of our life, we think certain identities are so important. Like mm, when we're in our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, probably middle part of our life career is really important. And that's an identity we really want like sorted out. And then there are points when, you know, maybe a part of our identity, like a side passion that other people might see as a side passion is like, wow, I can't have this a huge part of my identity because other people are not going to think it's as important. So there are sides that we like might reject or hide. Um, 
And so I, I just imagine that breathing, that breathing, like when we breathe into things, we like bring more space to it and we can like ease some of that tension around it. And so I love that, like thinking about our identities and our different titles in that way, how interesting. Um, and then one other thing is, I think it's interesting how we'll reject certain titles but there is a sort of shift that's happening, I think, in our culture. One of the things that popped in my brain is like using person-centered language for like mental health concerns rather than someone who is schizophrenic. It's a person with schizophrenia, right? And so I think there is this shift of like, we are people first, people first language. And maybe we should do that with other things. Like, because <laughs> when we meet someone, it's like, well, what do you do for a living? And where are you from? You know, and it's like those other things that feel important. And maybe they are, maybe we have a lot of pride in where we're from. And we want that to be like, a part of our identity that has a lot of like life breathed into it, <laughs> but sometimes it might not be that important. So I'm, I kind of had this thought of like, what if we always had person first, like, who are you and what are the things that you're with? I'm a person with this, that, and that, um, as a part of my identity rather than I am a banker and that's my identity. Um, cause I kind of feel like in some ways it can be just like you wouldn't say someone is schizophrenic. You want to say someone with schizophrenia, maybe I'm someone who has a career in banking and that's just mm. one part of me. It's like shifting the question, the answer from I am to I have, or I am with, or this yeah. is what I do because you can't define a person entirely on what they do. Um, they also think and they believe and they hope. And those are parts of the person too. And those are all very fluid and I love it. it's so it's so simple to say oh identity has life breathing through it because the, I mean Tyler you said identity is me and you have life breathing through you so mm -hmm. why do you not we not yeah. give ourselves room to say well I'll be this thing today and then I'll do something tomorrow or I'll believe something tomorrow or I'll do something next year or I'll think something five years from now I mean that's like saying you're going to be this thing like a tree. A tree is always a tree and a tree is a tree is a tree. Well, I am this today, but I don't know what I'll be tomorrow. We'll see what I'm called to do. We'll see what I'm, how I'm, I decide to react or I'll decide to believe or what have you. I mean, that's, we got to give ourselves some room. Um, you know, we're human. Yes, that's a fact. Um, but the thing that we are, the self is an evolution and it should have life breathing behind it. And we should accept that. I don't know if people even think about this, but we should give ourselves room. Really, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Actually, I just, I don't know. I just think that we just don't, we love to tie ourselves up in our own chain. Yeah. And I just think it's in denial of change because it's scary, um, but it's so liberating. It's like stepping into the unknown. It's like, as soon as I, ask myself, who am I? You, it's scary, but you open yourself up for so much more. Well, yeah. and I, and I think that might be the best way to end this today, uh, because we are going to continue this conversation on identity, um, and maybe addressing some of those questions of who am I? Um, and I would be curious to hear, you know, how you guys answer those questions. Um, and I want to close out today's conversation with what, you know, how would you, 
how would you um how would you describe identity now after this long conversation you know because i think i have some new words for identity and i'm just curious like has has your definition changed or what is something that you've learned or found interesting about identity it's a great question shall i go first since i posed my original definition first sure yes. Yeah, so I think it certainly still has some components from the beginning, but I think what I would add is it's like who we are as life, as we continue to change and flow throughout life and the world changes around us, it's always who we are. It is that concept of me and identity is who we are through those changes, because of those changes regardless of those changes, like it's just, it's that stable thing, but it's always changing and evolving. I'll give an analogy because I can't put it in a perfect definition. I feel like identity is like the seasons. The seasons are seasons, Hmm. but they are always shifting into another pattern. Another leaf is dropped. Another snowflake has fallen. I've, it's, a it's a cycle it's a repeating pattern or one that is just constantly changing but it it is a solid thing like it's there Mm. yeah I love that I think I would say that identity is a combination of the ego the soul being present in the moment um you know, knowing that it's yourself, knowing that it's me, um, and awareness. I think, I think it, all of those come together. Like I said, the, the, the cocktail, the identity cocktail, if you will. Um, and I think when we mix all of that together, we get a, we get a pretty clear idea of who we are. Um, and I am excited to maybe explore that question who who am i who who are you uh in the next uh episode so join us next time for another soulful conversation thank you for listening to soul searchers the podcast you can follow the show on facebook by searching soul searchers the podcast and on instagram at soul searchers pod If you haven't already done so, please help us keep the conversations flowing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast. Be sure to catch us next time for another soulful conversation.